Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. Today, we're going to bring in Russ Cohen, owner of Sportsology. We're going to look at the Philadelphia Flyers. We're going to look at Max Pacioretty and what his loss for extended period of time might mean to the further depleted Vegas Golden Knights now on a two-game losing streak. And we've got much more to get to, so stick around. All right, Golden Knights fans, thank you for joining us once again this Saturday morning. I'm Mark along with Chris. Chris, I'm going to bring you right in. There's a lot to get to today. Good day to you, sir. Hey, good day to you, sir. So, yeah, it's another week where it seems like good news, bad news. That seems to be the theme for the Vegas Golden Knights. They get, you know, they get Alex Tuck back. They they sign H. Schmidt to an, ext- an extension. Uh, they go 0-1-1 this week after beating the Ducks at home last Saturday. And then insult to injury, uh, pun intended there. Uh, you know, nasty injury to Max Pacioretty, I think it's the kind of thing. Uh, you're not going to know. It's not going to be a definitive timetable. Hopefully we're talking about, you know, weeks, you know, as opposed to a month or two. Uh, you just don't know with, with the head and whatnot. So, uh, again, good news, bad news. Uh, I don't even know. Where do you want to begin? you want to start with Pacioretty? Yeah, have you seen anything this morning that it's definitely ahead? I mean, I, I watched it. I watched it live, and I saw the hit. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> but I've been looking around the internet this morning, and I they're, obviously they're just going to say upper body injury. I right, thought I saw right. something that said more day to day than week to week, so that might be a good sign, or that could be just you know typical NHL uh, injury right. reporting. So I, I haven't seen anything affirmative on that it was a nasty hit by Braden Coburg he was Coburn he was come uh Patrick was skating down the left side just entered the zone and 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 I'm not I don't want to bash anybody but it, it, he was just kind of cruising over the blue line wasn't um in, intensely entering the zone I'll say and didn't appear ready to be hit and and Coburn put him right down with a, with a shoulder and you know live nobody nobody was calling it a, a dirty hit and he had the puck and and I don't think there was any head targeting involved um it, it looked like shoulder to body the head probably got hit a little bit but I, it could be anything in the upper body but he left the ice went right up the tunnel and and did not return to the game so it doesn't yeah from that from that point of view it doesn't look very good yeah, I, I agree with you, and also the way teams are critical about injuries and stuff, I don't think we're going to know the full uh, extent. Uh, they're not going to give us the lay of the land. You know, that's just the right. way almost every team team is. So, I mean, I, I would imagine he's going to be out. Uh, and it's just a guess. It'll be, you know, I would be surprised if he's back under a week. Hopefully it is days, uh, you know, and he's back, let's say, by next Saturday's show. Um He's back. I think that would be uh, everyone would sign up for that. Uh, obviously, like you said, they're already uh, depleted. Um, they did get Alex Tuck back on Wednesday, so that was a big plus. Uh, but you know, they're already without Stasny, uh, and he's going to be out for you know probably through November. So um, at least, yeah, if they were going to lose, yeah, at least. So if they're going to lose Patch already, let's even just you know for a period of time, you know that's. 
and we went through it. Um, I'm going to bore everyone to tears again on, I think it was last week's show, uh, after this five-game homestands, which they have two games to go, and they, they have a nasty stretch of the amount of road games, I think geography, and when how quickly those games are played. So it's a tough time to be to be depleted. So it's just something we're going to have to uh, to watch to watch out for. I guess we'll finish off with the other bad news. I mean, not that they played bad this week. I mean, Vancouver always seems to overachieve the first, you know, October to December, and then they come back to earth, really struggle after that, and they they're off to that kind of over a little bit overachieving start. Um, they have a couple of nice wins under their belt. They've beaten Tampa. Now they've beaten Vegas. You know, overtime loss it happens. Uh, and obviously they play. You know they they fought hard yesterday. Uh, on the I, I didn't realize you guys have a state holiday. Uh, Nevada Day. But uh, yeah, I didn't realize. I, I learned something. Um, so um, yeah, I said, why are they playing at six o'clock uh, Eastern? <laughs> uh, but but uh, anyway, you know Tampa's uh, look. They they uh, squeaked out a win. I think their their first game, and then they had. Uh, tough, uh, they had a bad loss again to Vancouver, ironically. Uh, bad third period, I should say. And then since then, they've been flying. So um, right now, you'd have to, if you're going to do your power ranking, uh, I think most people would have Tampa Bay number one. So 3-2 loss came up a little short there. Um, happens. Hopefully they can finish off this homestands uh, with a couple of wins before they uh, start on that streak of a uh, 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 number of road games. Yeah, if they do, they'll end up with uh, seven out of ten points on the homestand, which you can't really be too upset about. Um, Coach was not pleased with the start in in the game Wednesday against Vancouver and, and, you know, let everybody in the press room know afterwards that um, he did not think that they started that game ready to play. Um, One, Shang Peng from Hockey Buzz uh, posed the question to him that, uh, your team play came out, played very well in the third period, and and Gawan said, "Well, they were they looked like they were ready to play in the third period." So Shang Shang asked the follow up question, uh, "Well, were they ready to play at the first two periods?" And Coach kind of laid into Shang a little bit. Just I don't think it was on purpose against Shang, um, but he's like, "You're gonna have to ask them that question." Uh, we prepare the same way every day. Uh, just just write down that I didn't do my job getting the getting the team ready to play. They weren't ready to play, and you you, you know it's game game nine, game eight in the season. Um, similar similar diatribe last year after the New York Rangers game. Uh, they had the game, and this was when we were going through goalie after goalie. But uh, right. someone a- someone asked him what they learned in the New York Rangers game. And, and Perron had taken two penalties back to back and gave up two power play goals, uh, stupid penalties by Perron and coach said, learn, we didn't learn anything. We're, you know, we're not an expansion team. We're, we're, we're a group of veteran hockey players and we're not playing hockey like that. That's not who we are. And that's not what we expect. And it kind of lit a fire under the guys. And I was looking forward to seeing the team come out yesterday with some fire in their belly and, there's, it just seems like there's something missing early on in the season here. I'm not sure if it's the Nate Schmidt effect um, and, and the defense kind of playing up out of their station a little bit, or, you know, it's that eye test when, when I mean, you look at them there, whatever they are, second or third in the league in, in shots. 
Um, so it, it, it they're first in the league in shots at 24 a game tied with Carolina. Um, not allowing very many shots either, but it, it just seems like there's just that little bit off right now. And I, and I, you I, know, I, one theory could be is I just thought of this is how uh, you're saying like something seems a little bit off and not for nothing, but let's remember something this time last year, they were the first year franchise and I get it. It wasn't your uncle's, expansion franchise hockey team uh, and these there were a lot of good players on this team but for the most part all, all the, all the whole team was pretty much picked from the expansion draft which means all those players were exposed by their former teams or traded off in some kind of expansion deal so there was the proverbial chip on one shoulder each and every one in that locker room and you can't Tell me that didn't have an effect on them. Uh, and no, they, for sure. they came out, you know, so again, you know, as you know, Mark, uh, the difference between winning and losing this league is, is so small. We've talked about this since the beginning of this show. So, you know, you know, something like that, that is there one year at the, you know, and maybe is not there as much the next year being, being more depleted with injuries instead of playing, you know, uh, your A minus game, you're playing your B B plus game, or what have you, what have you? All these things really add up, and and yeah. a lot of times, you know, it's the difference between having a group of games where you're much better in those close games versus you're much worse. And um, I think uh, you know, I haven't had an easy schedule to start the year either. Uh, so I mean, um, yeah, I think that's where I think that's where they're at. I I mean. I still feel good about this team because I'm not a big fan of uh, the division. I was, you know, putting our notes about the Sharks, and then they looked like they were, you know, ready for it. Looked like they've settled things down, and then they, they, you know, they kind of blow it, blow another game where they're in the lead yesterday. So yep. they got a lot of work still to do too. But um, you know, it was. Uh, I, I tell you what, uh, in terms of Nate Schmidt, I think it was a fair contract for both sides. Uh, I think. Six years at roughly, I'm going to call it six million instead of five point nine five. I think on the I think on the open market, six would would have been roughly his number. Maybe someone would have given him six and a quarter, or you know maybe a touch more if there was a bidding war. But if you're an H man and you're missing the and you're in Austria right now, practicing with the uh, team I believe from Vienna, um, I, I think you have to be very happy with this deal. Get it done and get that money locked in, loaded. And if you're Vegas, you kept your guy. You think he's got? He's only 26, going on 20 good years ahead of him. And look, George McPhee knows Nate Schmidt a lot longer than this just past 12 months because he drafted him going back uh, to his days in Washington. So he he's seen his whole, basically his almost his whole career. So yeah. he knows the guy on and off the ice. So I think it was a solid move. I think it was a win for both sides and. And I, 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 oh boy, uh, obviously they've identified Schmidt, Deardor, and Tuck as guys that they want to uh, be part of the part of the band for the next few years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's um, I, I, I got to think that that's the core right there, right? Of everybody. I mean, once once we get Carlson under under fold for a long-term deal, whatever that ends up being. Um, 
I, I think that's who your Vegas Golden Knights are. Um, it, it, I mean, it's a good deal. It, I mean, no problem. Um, you get him until he's in his in his you know early thirties. So, yep. I, I will say this. Nice. I, and I think Nate Schmidt is an excellent second-pairing defenseman. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and that's what they get now. They, uh, you know, a strong second-pairing guy, he's going to make $6 million a year. I heard on the radio not um, towards the start of the season, they were doing an interview with, with Bill Foley, and he said something that kind of – kind of raised my spidey sense a little bit. He said that as they as they leave last season, they were expecting to be competitive in, in for the playoffs in year 3-4 and have a, a a solid cup contending team by year 5-6. And he said, "Well, the way the team played in his mind, the team had just finished year 5." And in my mind, I, I you've heard me say this before. Hey, pump the brakes on that. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, every year and, is its own year. So and know, I, I don't I, I agree. I with don't that. think that um, because they went to the finals last year that you had the structure and you had the depth and you had the the the, the, the let's say institutional foundation of a team that had been in existence five years. You had five, five drafts that haven't been completed. Um, five years of growth for your young players, just because they did had a, and, and it wasn't a magical run. That team played great hockey. Um, I, I don't like hearing the magical run, the Cinderella story type thing. It, that team put their nose to it, stuck their face into it and, and played great hockey all, all season long. And, you know, outperformed what everybody thought they would do in the playoffs. Um, that being said, I think at least in Bill Foley's mind from that comment, that probably, I'm, I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but there had to have been some discussions between Bill and George about what to do in the off season, go, uh, go chase Gasney, I uh, trade a, a blue chip Nick Suzuki prospect for Mac Pacioretty and then tie him up for four years at seven million or whatever he got. And, and then now you've signed Theodore for seven years and you signed Nate for seven years. And, you know, they'll be looking to do a long-term deal with William Carlson. Um, Marsha's show's tied up for five years. It, I don't know if it was the time to bring in the Stasneys and trade for the Pacioretties. That's just as far as institutional structure and stability of, of a franchise goes in your second year. I think there was room to sit back and play some youngsters. I, and I don't know, it, it, the season's still young. They may, they may get it together. Stasney and Pacioretty may come back from being injured, pair up with Alex Tuck, uh, light the world on fire and go on another crazy playoff run. I mean, the fu- the future is unclear, but just right. that, that comment tickled my spidey sense a little bit because there's, there's, there's a lot of work to do still building the franchise and, and putting well, pieces, too, pieces in place. Also too, a lot of things have to come together. And at the same time, 
Um, yeah. That's why I say one season doesn't. I mean, look, it was not long ago that the Ottawa Senators uh, were literally, literally one, one goal one away goal. from getting to the Stanley Stanley Cup Finals. And if memory serves correct, I believe it was a Bobby Ryan who hit a post or a crossbar in that overtime. Yeah. If memory serves correct, and, absolutely. And look where they are now. Now I'm not trying to throw cold water. I think the Knights are in really good shape. I, I like the. I think they have a good pipeline. Uh, they, even though they've traded an awful lot of draft picks from last uh, uh, last trade yep. deadline through the, throughout this uh, off season, um, they still have they still have some have their picks. They've tra- they basically traded their uh, abundance. They went from uh, having an abundance of picks uh, to you know they really went from that to being kind of like almost like every other team, if you will. They have a uh, couple yeah, extras point, I... in nineteen and twenty, but yeah, they 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 certainly traded the excess. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the word I was looking for. So I feel good about where they're at and moving forward. But I mean, yeah, well, time will only tell. Of you know, I mean, bringing in stats, you know, letting Perron and Neil go and bring in Stassi. I know they're different players. Maybe that's a wash um, from that stand from that kind of standpoint. But in terms of Pacioretty, in terms of Tatar and Pacioretty, in turning Tatar and those picks that he traded, and then and then the pick and Suzuki and Tatar to Pacioretty, you know, time will tell how that plays out. I mean, that is, yeah, you know, there's definitely high risk involved uh, with, with with those. And Tatar is actually playing pretty good for Montreal so far, but time will yep. tell um, how that how that plays out. Uh, you know, it's not a slam dunk that that was, and hopefully for them, it will be, you know, Patriotty will be great for them and, and the deals like for both uh, Detroit standpoint and Montreal, and they did well in those deals too. So um, I think those teams did do well. Well, that's a question of how they use those picks uh, that they got in those deals and uh, how he right. develops. But uh, anyway, well, I guess that's a good segue to jump on the Canadians who, you know, a lot, uh, uh, to jump into going around the league, and uh, you know they got off to they're off to another nice start. Uh, I would temper, uh, you know, a lot of people thought a, a gloom and doom for them this year, which I could totally understand. But I would mm-hmm. temper the enthusiasm a little bit because I don't think it was last year, but wasn't it like the two years prior? Didn't they go like nine zero and one or nine and one back to back years in the first ten games, and then they totally fell apart, but. You know, good signs out there is how about the play of uh, uh, I always want to call him Ty. How about the play of Max Domi? I mean, you know, he's been an underachieving, for lack of a better term, or he under production of what it was expected the last couple of years in Arizona. Yep. Already four goals, ten points. The if you're if you're a Canadians fan, you gotta like seeing you gotta like seeing that. Uh, Tatar has been good for them. They seem to be getting a number of contributions up and down the lineup. Uh, and you know, it's not like you know they're five two and two because Carey Price is dan- standing on his head. I mean, he's been he's been solid, but um, you know he hasn't been full world. So uh, well, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the how the Canadians play in the next ten games. Yeah, I, well, a lot. Remember too, those hot starts got derailed later in the season when Carey Price got injured and missed extended periods of time. Um, and even if he's uh, he's 80% carry price of the carry price that took home all the toys at the NHL awards a few years back, 
that's still pretty good carry price. Uh, oh, sure. The question, the question was always, what kind of scoring is this team going to be able to do in front of carry price? And so far they're doing enough, right? I mean, they're, yeah, they're in a tough division right now. Um, 12 points, five, two and two, um, right behind Boston and Toronto. Um, Toronto kind of slowing down a little bit. Um, Tampa Bay leading the way, 15, 14, 14, and then that Montreal with 12. Uh, but r- right behind them, a little surprise team in that division as well, tied with, with Montreal, Buffalo Sabres right there with 12 points too. Yeah, yeah, they've uh, they've kind of win one, lost one kind of thing, won one kind of thing. They've been a nice surprise. I'm still skeptical of them. Uh, in terms of their blue line and and such, but I think they're going in the right direction. I saw they won that game uh, with a minute to go on the power play with uh, a favorite of mine in terms of off the ice following his whole career, Kyle Poso and uh, everything he's been through. So hopefully he can get back to being, you know, at least a 20 goal scorer for them. Uh, but yeah, no, I think and Jonathan Druins looked really good. I mean, those are some good signs because, uh, you know, let's face it. No, I mean, look, unless something very strange happens, the, the Canadians aren't going to make a, a cup run this year. So, but if guys like Domi and Druin are looking like these are the foundation stones for the next few years, which is what they're hoping for. And, you know, so far it's so good in that, in that regard. And I mentioned before about the Sharks, put in, a, in the notes about it. it seems like things were coming together. Um, uh, you know, they had put a couple wins together. They had a big win in Nashville earlier this week with a big third period. And then they, you know, they got a point in Carolina uh, you know, uh, last night or late yesterday afternoon, whatever the game was. Uh, but, um, again, up 3-1, wind up blowing another point. Um, uh, you know, you would think with team that is that strong in goal and that deep on the blue line, you know, again, you're up 3-1, you got to be taking home more of those more of those games. But, you know, it's Brett It's got to be a two-point game. It's got to be a two-point game. I and mean, the Brett Predators Burns were really – the Predators were really owning the um, – they were up 4-1, 4-2 with five minutes left yeah. in the game. The Sharks put three in, kind of a fluky win. That doesn't, that doesn't signal all, all, all is right in the world and calm seas for the Sharks where they need to get three goals in the last six minutes of the game to, to squeak by the Predators either and then to go, go uh, in their next game and, and blow a 3-1 lead. That's, um, they, you know, it's kind of like you said uh, – seems to be getting better, but there's certainly enough symptoms where we're not going to take the patient and, and take him out of ICU yet. Um, we we think the Sharks are going to be better, but there's some indications that, that it's still a struggle for them. Yeah, and and, and it's still Brent Bird's team. He leads the team in points. And look, you know what, expecting Eric Carlson just to show up, changing teams, changing, you know, going, changing from – going from Ottawa and Canada to California, uh, yet to score a goal, has six assists. I'm sure as each game goes by, he gets more comfortable. I expect him uh, to really take flight, you know, over the next month or so kind of thing. So, um, but like we said, the, the division has definitely been uh, struggling, to say the least. But another team that's really looked good so far is the Avalanche. They're off to a real mm-hmm. nice start, 7-2-2. Two and two. Yep. Um, 
you know, the the the, the, the trio of Ratton, McKinley, and Landis Cog. I mean, I'm not a fantasy hockey player, but if you have any one of those guys on yeah. your team, I think you're doing pretty well. Uh, not and bad at all. A little bit of surprise there is uh, they make the big trade for Grubauer at the draft last year, and it's really Varonhoff who has one year to go on his deal. He's been the number one, even though Grubauer uh, was in net last night when they beat Ottawa. Yeah, the thing the thing that impresses me early on here about about Colorado, um, right now that's the toughest division in hockey. If you look at it, Dallas is in sixth place with ten points. Um, every other division that's a that's a lot higher up in the standings. When you look, Nashville sixteen, Colorado sixteen. Winnipeg fifteen, Chicago still playing well at six two and two, fourteen, Minnesota five two and two, twelve, Dallas five four and oh ten. And for for them to be doing it in that division is and we, we said that had the potential to be one of the best divisions in hockey in the in the preview and it's it's doing just that. Um that's that's what's impressive to me about the the start Colorado is on is is how good the rest of the teams are around them are playing and they're not losing ground at all. And in, in fact, they're right there uh, contending for first place in that division ab- above Winnipeg and, and tied with Nashville. That's what's impressive to me. Yeah. And, and Miko Rannan is looking like uh, he's, he's going to be a force this year with, uh, I mean, not that he didn't have a good year last year, but it looks like he's taking up another level. He's got 20 already points knew. already. Yeah. Crazy. And, and we already knew that McKinnon, McKinnon with 18, Landeskog with 15. He's he's got yeah. more points. Uh, and I, I don't want to. He's got. He might have more points than <laughs> Vegas's top line combined. Well, then let's finish it off before we bring uh, Russ on, and that's the Kings. I mean, uh, from afar, there's been a lot of rumors of the head coach is is it's tenuous at best. Um, they've uh, they're plus minus in terms of goal differential. They have scored 18 goals in 10 games, so that's less than two goals a game, and they've given up 36. I mean, Jonathan Quick, I'm not blaming him per se. <laughs> His numbers look awful, uh, which is very odd to see. Um, I know he missed a little time there, but I think his save percentage is like 8-4-5 or 8-4-0 or something. Uh, why don't you give us a little breakdown where the Kings are at? Well, he he did miss some time, and I'm starting to wonder if he's still hurt. Um, his first game back was that Islanders game, um, so he gives up seven goals in that game. I think that's w- with the sample size we have out of Quick. I think that's going to maybe unfairly skew his save percentage right now because um, they left him in for either six or seven of those goals in his first game back from an injury. Um, but but yeah, the numbers on Quickie aren't good. You still have the 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 core, I guess you would say, uh, that that has won championships together. But in, in the off season, when you had a lot of the players that they had drafted and expected to come up and and replace, go back in and in, in time and and Mike Richards, Justin Williams, Jarrett Stoll, um, Willie Mitchell. Matt Green, some of the some of the stalwarts of that team, the unsung heroes, maybe um, 
that had a role to play like Jarrett Stoll and, and you had, you had drafted Nick out and Nick shore and expected one of those players to come up and, and be your third line center of the future. And now they're both gone. Um, Sounds like a death I, problem. I, I, I think that that's a, and the chemistry problem. Um, I, I think that's exactly it. You have a bunch of young guys that are, that are maybe playing above their station on defense. I mean, you still have, Dowdy, Muzzin, Martinez, and Fanuff. Um, is it an unfair I, label to say that they're old and slow, which a lot of people are saying about them? Is that unfair? Or is there some truth in that? Um, I think there's. I think it's unfair to throw the old label on them. Look, the Kings have always been right. slow. They're they're built. And here's the point I wanted to make about the Kings real quick before we get to Russ, the owner of Sportsology. Um, they, they were always a slow team. The the franchise model for the Los Angeles Kings is big, heavy forwards. They get the forecheck in. They pound on you. They wear you down. They they at at their best they they take advantage and bear down on the on the scoring chances that they can generate off the cycle. And they beat you two to one, three to one, three to. Um, and and then the bugaboo with the the Kings is always uh, similar to the 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 Canadians is where's the scoring going to come from? Um, well, where's the scoring going to come from? They're they're being out like you said they've given up thirty six and they've scored eighteen. They're being outscored two to one. Where's the scoring going to come from? They signed Ilya Kovalchuk right. to a six year six and a half three year six and a half million dollar deal. Uh, I said at the time I didn't like that, and I still don't like that. And they have three years of Ilya Kovalchuk at 35 years old. Um, you can be Ilya Kovalchuk in the KHL and skate around Dipsy Doo 35, 40 goals. But in the National Hockey League, uh, hello, you're going to get 15 to 20, especially in the King system. So I think there might be something to changing the John Stevens approach. But what you're not going to do with the Kings, and I was going to say they're a lot closer to a rebuild than they are to another championship. What you're not going to do is take, let's go back to 2005, 2006, I think, uh, maybe even a little later, 2008, when, when uh, Lombardi and Sutter, or Lombardi came in. And his vision for the team was big, heavy-bodied team, uh, physical, wear-you-down, power-forward-type players, power-forward-type defensemen, little dynamics in, in Drew Doughty and what have you. You don't spend... 13 years drafting those type players over and over and over and over and over again, build your franchise depth in that model and then turn into the Vegas Golden Knights overnight and dead by, by signing Ilya Kovalchuk. And I don't know what a lot of people were thinking um, along those lines, but there's going to be years of drafting to change a philosophy of a franchise from what they were as champions to where the NHL is going to, to a speed skill game. And um, that, I just, that that's where I am on the Kings. I think they're a lot closer to a rebuild than a lot of people think. And they're a lot farther away from a championship, regardless of the Dowdy and the Kopitar and the Carter and, and so on and so forth down the line. And with that, I am now going to bring in Russ. who has been very patiently waiting for me to go on my Los Angeles Kings diatribe. <laughs> Excuse me, Russ Cohen, owner of Sportsology, good enough to host our podcast on his SoundCloud Sportsology page. Russ, good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, guys, how are you? 
Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. I know we're we got a Philly game going on, so let's jump right into it yep. with the Flyers this season. Um, where are we at with the Flyers? I know that before the season, I really, really, really liked their top six. I thought they had potential to be a one of the best top six as a as a whole in the National Hockey League. And you know, JVR was going to be a nice addition. He's out. Um, where, where, where's the top six as far as their potential goes, and and how how is that uh, maybe affecting where they are in the standings? Well, I mean the potential's still there. I think um, things have taken a turn since since the JVR injury, and for some reason the team uh, the penalty kill is awful. The power play is out of sync. At times they're just not playing with with confidence. Their defense should have been better this year, and it's totally askew. Like They don't have one set pairing. So it's a lot of those things, and a lot of those things fall on the coach, and I think the coach is right now going to take the brunt of it, and that's where they're at. They're they're struggling against the Islanders today. They're down 3-1, and this is a game where even when Ivan Provorov made a great stand-up hit on Josh Bailey at center ice, they got a power play after that, and maybe a minute into that power play, there's a shorthanded, shorthanded chance against them. And so a lot of things still aren't changing from last year that were problem because the Flyers always had a lot of, gave up a lot of shorthanded opportunities. I think the guys who play up high <clears throat> aren't that fleet of foot. And these days when you have other teams that are really fast, you've got these fast penalty killers out there. They get one puck by them. They can't catch them. So that's the biggest problem. And right now they're, uh, they're a team in trouble. Did I lose you, Mark? No, no, no I, I'm still here. Hey, Russ. You got oh, me. Okay. Oh, hey, Sorry, hey. I just want to make sure I didn't lose you. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> one more. Before, one more. One more before I get to Chris. When we did our season preview um, with, with the Flyers, I thought this team, the, with the Gossip Spear and Provorov being that much, you know, another year older, the addition of JVR and, and the depth that did with allowing. Uh, Wayne Simmons to go down and play a third-line role who's actually having a very good season. I, I thought they mm-hmm. took the next step, and, and they were only two points out of, of, of second in the, in the division last year behind Pittsburgh, I, and I picked them yep. to finish second in this division. What, what pieces are they maybe looking to add, um, or, or is it a chemistry thing? If they were going to be looking for a piece that would get them – over that hump into a home ice situation in the first round of the playoffs. What would they be looking for at this point? You know, I think they always want to look at what could help the team now and long-term. And so I do think they're going to be in on William Nylander the longer that that drags out. So, you know, Kyle Dubas was here the other day. He was scouting. He's been in, you know, three or four different venues. And so I think they're probably, you know, talking because, interesting. again, even with the players that they have, they are lacking the kind of offense that they need to overcome the, you know, mediocre defense that they have. So, and I, and I think it might be more than just, you know, a Nylander deal. I think it, you know, could be like a two for two or something. So, you know, we'll keep an eye out for that. I think that's a possibility though. Interesting. What the, the, the only problem I have with that as a trade partner is that you would think that Toronto is going to be looking for defense as well. And then, Right, From but that I point. think what they can do, like I'll give you an example. I think if they, okay. if they were to part with, let's say, Sanheim, who's been playing great, and if you traded 
Sanheim and, you know, name a forward. Who, who knows who the forward might be? It, you know, it could be somebody down below like Morgan Frost, or it could be somebody, you know, at the level up here like Wayne Simmons, who's from Toronto. Mm-hmm. If you did that, that is interesting. And they would give you, they would give you Nylander, and then they would give you, you know, a defenseman in return. I don't think they give you Jake Gardner, even though he's a UFA, but you probably could get Borgman or one of the guys from the Marlies, who's pretty good. I mean, they do have some guys that are pretty ready to play, but just can't break into the Babcock system. I think if you did something like that, you know, they're trading a guy who isn't going to extend on a contract, not at least yep. in season, and they don't know what will happen beyond that. So, they don't, you know, they won't lose an asset. The Leafs got a guy that right now they can't come to an agreement with. So, in a way, it would serve the purpose, and it would still make them better, and it would still cover them on defense. And and from Toronto's point of view, Wayne Simmons helps them on defense as far as overall team yes. defense. Um, that's a very oh, yeah. interesting. That's, that's a, a very interesting point. Player. And you got to believe that there's probably a really good chance that if he went to a team like that, if they liked him, that he would probably extend with them. Absolutely, absolutely. That's an that's an interesting piece. Uh, I, I could see Simmons fill, filling a need uh, on Toronto very well. Especially Let me go ahead and bring JBR in Chris. Close to returning. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and you keep your top six intact. So, and you add the yep. Nylander. So, very interesting. Very yep. interesting. We'll have to keep our eye on that, Chris. Hey, Ross. Great to talk to you. So, uh, hey. two quickies on, uh, uh, and then sneak peek on the draft. So, you brought up Wayne Simmons. Mm-hmm. You know, in a perfect world, how do the Flyers view this? Do they see him within reason, within contract reason? Uh, as a guy who could be part of this, uh, part of the band moving forward over the next four or five years? Um, if not, would they be willing to trade him? Are they looking for a hockey trade like you just suggested? Is it, you know, is it a situation where they're not going to, uh, dare, I, dare I say, or painfully say, you know, lose a player for nothing like the Islanders did last year? Uh, how do you yeah. see the Simmons situation playing out? I don't think they're going to lose a player for nothing. And right now, if you traded him, it would be justified because the team's not playing well, so you can't say you were definitely going to make the playoffs. I think it's a situation where um, they like him going forward, but for three or four years max, but I think he wants five. And so I don't think the Flyers are willing to do that based on the organizational philosophy and Hexel's philosophy. So I think that's where you run into the problem. So I think you know, he, he is tradable because of that. And he's playing well, so, you know, it's not like you're not trading him at the right time. Yeah, that's always a good time to trade somebody. Um, so, Russ, every time we talk about teams that need a goalie, okay, Mark <laughs> always says, and I rightfully so, well, what about the Flyers? And I, and I say, well, they love Carter Hart, and he's one of the top mm-hmm. prospects in all hockey. Um, mm-hmm. is, I mean, are they, are they like, re- ready to give him – the keys to the net, if you will, in the near future, and that's their goalie, and don't even think about them. And, and if uh, someone like a Bobrovsky or a Corey Schneider comes available, that kind of thing. Yeah, I I think within two years they're they're ready to do it. I think I think they are because I think that's really where they want to go. But right now, you know, you're talking about five years into his AHL career, and he's got a below, you know, ninety percent save percentage. So you got to wait on that. Uh, most of these good goalies have gone a year, year and a half in the A. Even Connor Hellebuck ended up doing like a year and a half because they sent him up a little too early. He wasn't quite ready. They sent him back. 
and then lo and behold, he was ready. The Islanders haven't rushed up a guy like Soderstrom. Like, you got to just, you know, be careful with these goalies. You can't just throw them in there and everybody's Carey Price, and even he played a full year in the A, and I watched him. I covered him in the uh, Calder Cup when when they played against um, Hershey. So I look at it, and I say they're, they're on the right track with that, and Elliot's still here, so he would be the uh, – the guy to bridge the gap, and he'll still be the guy to bridge the gap. He hasn't played poorly. I mean, they threw Neuwirth in here after just a one-game rehab stint, and, you know, he's not going to light the world on fire. That used to be the, the miracle formula for them, but that was like a core surgery and a hip surgery ago. You know, he's not the same guy anymore. Even though he might only be 32, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's about the injury. So I, I think, you know, you're looking at Elliot now, Hart in the future, and Lyon somewhere in between to sort of help him. And, and that's where they're at. And that's why, you know, they just want to continually get better. And right now the team's taking a step back. And that's why I think, you know, things may happen because of that. Before I hand you off to Mark for a final question, I, we ha- I have to ask you about the draft because I don't care what time of year it is. Uh-huh. Uh, it's sinful not to ask you a question about the draft. And let me tell you something. I, I'm, uh, we have a mutual friend in Detroit, Brian Yates. Uh, I know mm-hmm. he's thinking all – he's all in about the draft. And in, yeah. in reviewing the prospects last night, I also got to feel a bit older when I saw the kid Alex Turcott. Uh, is that uh-huh. is his dad Darren Turcott, the ex ranger? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, okay. No, I don't feel. He does have family like members that have played in organized hockey, but it's not Darren Turcott. No. Uh, okay. All right. So give us a little sneak peek on the draft. Everyone's talking about Jack Hughes. Tell us why uh, everyone's talking about Jack. Yeah, yeah, tell yeah, us, gotta lose for about, <laughs> us well, about so, Hughes. And if you have a guy or two besides Hughes to keep an eye on out for us. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned Turcotte. Turcotte's a good one because even in my last time out, I didn't get to see him. They didn't play him in the USHL tournament. But, but he's a really, you know, already got pretty good height to him, good skater, good puck handler. So he's going to probably be in that top ten for sure. But Jack Hughes is – I think another generational guy. I mean, I look at him wow. and I probably covered him six or seven live games and seen him other times, you know, on television. And the thing about him is I, and we had his coach on, we had his coach on uh Sirius XM and coaches are always going to be a little flowery, but you know, they will tell you some things about the guy, but I just asked him point blank. I said, Hey, have you seen a game yet? Cause I haven't where, they've been able to contain him and just shut him down. And he agreed with me where he said no. And that's the thing. I've seen games where for two periods he's, he's, you know, he's breaking the offensive zone. He's always great at that. And he's making things happen. He's passing, but he's not necessarily getting on the board in some way, shape or form. And then all of a sudden things break open. Like it just, he is a guy that gets behind the defense. It doesn't matter. He's an edge skater like a Barzell, but he is very intuitive like his brother Quinn he is a pass-first guy, but who also can score. So when he gets the puck, it's like, you know, he's skating, things are moving, it's hard to get on him, and that's when things happen. And I could see him, you know, having an instant impact in the NHL. I think you'd start him at like a second-line setter and let him work his way up. But he's also great on face-offs already. Like I've seen him against going against college players doing really well on face-offs. So that's another area where – you know, you look at him, and I think when he gets into the league, he'll be at a certain level, 
And then as this game continues to change over to more speed and finesse and, and less physicality, you will see even a bigger jump from him in three or four years. And that's why I think whoever gets him is getting a generational player because, you know, some guys you get them and you realize bad time to get this guy in the draft. Like uh, when, um, when Tampa got uh speed they took him at the top of the draft. He was a Russian army guy, big, heavy guy. The game was, Still a little bit big heavy, but it was getting to be a little better skating, even in the 2000s, and he just was too slow. Like, the guy used to just watch his skates when he was skating. He was bad. And so you could draft a guy like that, and it's just the wrong time. If you draft a guy like Hughes, you're getting him just before the time when I think the league makes this other jump. And you'll see guys will just not be able to play in it anymore. You're already, I'm already hearing coaches talking about it this year. It's just gotten that much faster. And so when you talk about that Kings rant, it was a good rant in the sense that for the last two years, their edict from Rob Blake was to at least play with more pace because they knew even with the players they had, if they didn't do that, they'd be dead in the water. And I think that's coming so on you're the saying, list with them. So, Russ, you're saying that Hughes would look good in blue and orange is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying he will look good in anybody's <laughs> yeah, in an NHL sweater. sweater. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We could take him to All-American Burger, Russ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, you know, it's funny. I hadn't been there in a very long time. My last time on the island, I went to All-American Burger during the summer, and it is the uh-huh. same place with, like, six little takeout windows. It's like being back in 1960. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It is, it is crazy. Go well, ahead, right, I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you go, Russ. Thank you so much. One question before we let you go: Everybody can follow Russ sure. uh, on Twitter at Sportsology. That's S P O R T S O L O G Y, and go to his SoundCloud page. Also, Sportsology. You guys can find our show there along with a bunch of other great content. Um, top yep. end for the Flyers this season. Um, are we gonna get it together? JVR is gonna come back. They're gonna turn into the offensive team that we thought they would all be. They're gonna goaltending to be good enough and they're going to make a, a playoff run and win a first round series. Is, is that a realistic goal at this point in the season? Right now where we stand today, I think it's a 50, 50 proposition depends on what happens and the health of a few players like a JVR. So I think it's 50, 50. Okay. Well, one, one quick thing we're going to do NHL 19. I'm going to give you Bobrovsky and Panarin and you're going to give me either Konechny or Patrick, Wayne mm-hmm. Simmons, and a first. Do you do that deal? No, because they're, they're not going to want to do that because they've had Bobrovsky before, and he's a good kid, but he is a little temperamental, and the Flyers do tend to mess around with the goalies a little bit, and he doesn't really like that. So, no, I don't think they would do that based on that. I think that's a great breakdown of Bobrovsky. If he can be in his rhythm and he can, and he can just skate even keel, if you know what I mean, then, yeah. then he's yep. going to be very good. But if he gets thrown off yep. and he's benched for a couple games, he's like Mike Smith in that respect where maybe mentally he's not He's a fish out of water when he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, that's a great that's a great breakdown, and, and I agree completely. Well, we're going to let you go, buddy. Thanks for coming in and, and talking with us, Dan. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay. Thanks, guys. See ya. Yep. Thanks, Russ. The great Russ Tony on the Vegas Hockey oh, Podcast. Oh, he sees traffic. He, um, I always I, love talking to, talking to I Russ. I think he's he realistic. Knows the so well. He, yeah, he yeah. Does. He's killing me, though. He, he's not getting the warm and fuzzy on the Philadelphia Flyers. He's, he's going to make my look horrible. 
yeah, well, I think, um, you know, I think he's being realistic. They're kind of in between a little bit, you know. They, they, they're still committed to the, 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 the young players on this team, so uh, they're not going to be, I don't think, too crazy. If, if they're going to make a trade, it's going to have to be really the pieces going to the pieces going to have to fit in uh, perfectly. Um, you know, also they're they're in between with the goaltending. Uh, they're going with a couple of veterans now. They're waiting on Carter Hart. Um, Newlander would How be. Long do you I wait, would think though? that would be. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would think by next year he'd be on the team. But again, I, you know, that's just all things um, come together. I mean, I don't think Bobrovsky would be a right fit for them because it didn't really work out great there the first time. Maybe, maybe if they can get a Corey Schneider, although that's tricky because they're in the same division as the Devils. And I think in a perfect world. Not even a perfect world. I don't think the Devils, if they're going to wind up moving Corey Schneider, they're going to they're going to want to do it with a team in the division. So, um, but they're heading in the right direction. Nylander, I would be interesting. I think that's definitely if you were going to put a short list together on a team that can match up well with uh, Toronto, when you think of all the different pieces, I think Philly is a team that matches up well. Um, um, kind of thing. trade partner wise. On the ice. Yeah, trade partner wise. Yeah, in terms. No, of I love the Wayne because, Simmons for Nylander thing. I love that. Yeah, and you know they have they can add a prospect like he mentioned, like a Morgan Frost in the deal, and they can give them a young defenseman in the deal as well. And you know because there's also from the Toronto aspect, uh, uh, you know the cap considerations. So that's why where we are with with William Nylander. Uh, also want to give a shout out in terms of Ross. If you go to at Sportsology on Twitter. He's on on most days during the week on the Hockey Buzz uh, webcast, but he also has a terrific show. He he alluded to it in in there. He has a terrific show, I think, with Shane Malloy, if memory serves correct, on the Sirius XM, dealing with you know prospects and the draft and just all all things hockey. But I think it's kind of heavy on that. It's a great listen. Uh, you can find it just Google, you know, Sirius XM. Russ Cohen, I think it's Shane, Shane Malloy. Go to or just go to Russ's Twitter page, and yeah. uh, you could find out the details. Uh, the details there. So uh, it's always great to have him on. Wow. I mean, I I knew people should be excited based on on Jack Hughes, based on the different things I was reading. But the way Russ kind of broke it down, that I mean, let's face it, this is going to be. I mean, this is going to be a huge. Whoever wins that lottery, those ping pong balls come eight, late April. I mean, it could. I mean, uh, you know, from what I've been reading about the draft, getting a sneak peek of it myself uh, the last few days, it looks like another strong class. But this kid looks like he's something, something special. So, if you're a Red Wings fan or a Ranger fan or dare I say an Islander fan, well, how about Vancouver? You know, they got his brother. You know, they that would go be from the team to the to the uses, you know, <laughs> let's, so, let's not one thing. One thing I'm looking at it right now. He is, he's five ten, one sixty six, and, and Russ said that he was going to be able to come in and make a pretty much instant um, impact on, on whatever team yeah. he is. He's going to need to put on some weight at five ten. Yeah. You need to be yeah, about five ten, one eighty five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. But it's, it's going to be, um, it sounds like he. It sounds like he's going to be the most, uh, the biggest kid to come out of the draft last few years, other than McDavid. I mean, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, um, that's, that's all. Kinda, all signs. All signs point to him as being that generational talent for sure. 
Um, but it, 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 oh, I'll give you another team. I'll, 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 team give you, I'll give you another team that's in the U Swift sweepstakes. Colorado. Remember, they have Ottawa's draft pick. First ah, round pick. that's true. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Colorado, the ping pong bowls, wind up Forget well for them, <laughs> and, and and where they're at right now, and they added a kid like that, so. Uh, it's going to be uh, – it, it's going to be a lot of – it's going to be a big night uh, in, uh, in hockey land. Uh, wasn't that uh, – Jack Hughes. Chris, but, wasn't, wasn't that an optional pick where Ottawa could have given him last year's first-round pick? They could have, but which was Brady to Chuck, though. So – and you just don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, you don't know where – I mean, Ottawa this year could be when the ping-pong – I mean, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but, uh, you know, when the ping-pong – Bulls full, they could have uh, the third best chance of winning the lottery, or they could have the twelfth best chance. I, I mean, I don't think it's. I, I think they could finish. I think they could be a little bit better than a lot of people think, especially in that division. So when you have the fourth pick uh, in that draft, and you wind up with Brady to Chuck, and you're like, well, it's let's not give bad. this up. Yeah, let's give this up because maybe next year will be better. Well, I don't know, but you got to say you got to. I mean, it's not a great hand to be dealt or. From that trade that they made, but I, I, you got to take the Chuck. So I can't, yeah, I can't that's kill true. them. I can't kill them for that. But I wanted to finish off the show with the OT segment. You know, uh, at the end of last weekend or last Sunday, day after last show, uh, the news came down. Surprisingly, didn't even know he was. Uh, nobody, no one really knew he was sick. Uh, former majority owner of the New York Islanders, Charles Wong, died, and I just wanted to bring him up for two reasons, real quick, and that is. Uh, you know, even though that things have been very up and down with the Islanders for these last number of years and more down than up, and even though it took a long time to get where they're at, which is finally moving forward, if you will, both on and off the ice, it seems, especially from the off-the-ice perspective, and the people they've brought in and the ownership to Long Island and finally going to have a new building on Long Island, uh, none of that would have happened without Charles Wong. I mean, he bought the team... <laughs> when really they were not really uh, um, a situation where they should have been bought. I mean, it was a disaster waiting to happen. They had the worst arena deal in sports history uh, for the next God knows number of years at the time he bought it, which was around the 2000s or so, early uh, around late 90s, around 2000. Um, they, they, Long Island politics is an absolute mess, to say the least. The, uh, Nassau County... You know, Long Island does very well, but Nassau County, just like a lot of places in the country, there financially was a mess. I mean, you put all those things together, and they, the, the team was the team to be destined to move. Uh, and if it wasn't for Charles Wong coming in and literally being a savior from that standpoint, um, and I understand they had to they had to do a swing out to Brooklyn for a few years to get back to the island and all that, but uh, there wouldn't be a team here if it wasn't. Uh, for him, and this is somebody who did it for Long Island, did it for the community, he wanted to build something. Uh, but what really took me back was all the player reaction, both in newspaper articles uh, as well as Twitter, and, and and ranging from the days of when the Islanders had, you know, when he uh, guys like Michael Pekka and Mark Parrish to today's players, both current and people, you know, somewhere else like Kyle Poso and and John Tavares, uh, Mark Parrish, the former Panther, former Islander, uh, played on those good teams, talked about how he, how good of a man he was. And he said, 
you know, most almost every NHL owner, not almost every NHL owner, when they see you, they'll be respectful to you. Uh, they'll shake your hand. He goes, every time I saw Charles, when both I played and after I played, I always got a hug. This is the only owner I know who would hug, hug his players. Uh, and Travis Hamanick, the ex-Islander, in his situation, he was, the, last Sunday, the Flames were at the Garden. So that morning when the news broke, the GM uh, went to him. He was working out on a stationary bike, coming back from injury. And he, he told him the news because it was, he hadn't heard, it was fresh, and he immediately broke into tears. And, you know, all of us have worked for uh, different people throughout our lives. So usually hmm. the people who own the company, we don't have, we know who they are, but we don't, you know, we don't, maybe we see them, there's a nod. But to, to kind of have that kind of effect, uh, it really says something. It says something about the person he was. And I'm just thankful for all that he did, and even even though it was a rocky ride, but there wouldn't have been a ride at all, is what I'm telling you, if he didn't buy the team. And they would have been they would be in Kansas City now or Quebec or, or wherever. Uh they would have been long gone. So uh uh seventy four, so too young. Too young. But uh so uh well, anyway I wanted to yeah, I wanted to put that uh, put that out there because I don't think from afar people realize uh realize that, uh if it wasn't for him because he was a little goofy and he had some goofy ideas. And they he did some some you know moves that seemed goofy like you know Iron Guard Snow when he had no experience and and Sonny Ricci Pietro had a long term crazy long term deal if he would have stayed healthy it would have been a great deal but he didn't but uh, like I said uh, he really did uh, a lot of you know he was the savior for the franchise ironically so uh, so with that we got you know next week we got the cat coming in Felix Seacard. On the the Anaheim Ducks, uh, Ducks in a little bit of a rut. Uh, they got off to that great start, and I think they've lost a few games in a row. So, just like it seems like everyone in the Pacific is struggling, huh? It's not pretty right now. I'll tell you that. I was looking at it. <laughs> I was looking at it this morning. Was, uh, even with whatever we were saying about the Sharks, they're uh, they're in they're first right there, place right? in the divi- They're in first oh. place in the division. Oh, okay, they snuck ahead of uh, Vancouver. With the, yeah, yeah, the one point. Um, and Vancouver, well, they're both 12-12 uh, San Jose with a with a game in hand. So, um, yeah, it's it's not pretty. I'm I, I I've been focused on the Pacific Division standings. Um, and I, that's yeah, Arizona why I, I can't mean, score. When I looked when I looked at the Central Division this morning, getting ready for the show, and I saw sixteen, sixteen, fifteen, fourteen, and I go to the the Pacific and it's twelve, twelve, eleven, ten. <laughs> yeah, Can, and then Arizona, Kansas, nine, eight, 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 Calgary. Nine. Right, Calgary's up and down, and they got destroyed the other night against Pittsburgh, nine one. Um, yeah, you know Edmonton, I guess has been okay, right? That uh, yeah, uh, okay, okay. Only only eight games so, played. They had the slow right. start after coming back from Europe in the opening week right. of the season, but uh, they got nine points in eight games, so. Okay. That's okay. Okay, it's yeah, okay. They, and they started a lot on the road. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, so, I mean, I, I guess everyone in the division who has work to do should feel like, all right, well, no one's really taken off in this division yet. So, um, so from that standpoint, but we'll have the cat in 
to talk about uh, how what we can expect from the Ducks this year with the mixture of their youngsters and trying to get uh, trying to fight off all the time with their established guys. Yeah, for sure. And real quick before we go, uh, Vince Sapienza from Fox Five here in Las Vegas is reporting: No Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marchessault, or Colin Miller on the ice at practice this morning. Take it for what it is. All right. Well, could yeah, be a maintenance I mean, day for the other guys. Could be a maintenance, um, right? But uh, right. definitely, definitely no Pacioretty on the ice. When's their next? Uh, well, I should know this. When's their next game? Uh, Sunday. Uh, Vegas? Sunday. Sunday. Ottawa. All right. Well, that's a game they got to. I mean, no, it's they got to win. Ottawa, but that's a game they got to win. Yeah. Got to win. So they finish up this home stand. Oh, they only have one game left on this home stand. That's, that's it. Two. Yep. Back on the road. So they have Ottawa. And then they go to Nashville and St. Louis and then come home for Correct. one. And then they go back into Canada and Boston for four. That's part of that okay. that wonderful that road that trip. That... <laughs> right. Well, they got, yeah, tomorrow is is they got to win. They got to win. Yeah. Yeah. So they they okay. they could get they could get break into the top three in the division, depending on what some of the other teams do there um, with a win tomorrow night. And, and, before they do this, Nashville, St. Louis, home to Carolina, on the road, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, Boston. Um, that game is now, in my opinion, patch ready out. I don't care. Must win game. Oh, and I got one last nugget for you. The, the Islanders announced this week, you know, because they're playing half their games, although they've yet to play. They don't start until December. You know, they're playing half their games in the newly renovated Nassau Coliseum and half the games in Brooklyn. And originally, the when the Leafs only come in to, uh, to, the, to play the Islanders uh, here once this year, and originally was slated for that game to be in Brooklyn, February 28th, the game has been moved to Nassau Coliseum. And obviously there's a different vibe in terms of when the Islanders will play at the Coliseum versus Brooklyn because it's, it's a small arena in terms of it's like 13,000-plus, and, it, you know, it's more compact and, you know, and obviously everyone from the island and all that from that standpoint. So it's the place will be rocking. You know, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of reception he gets. But I thought it was interesting that they moved the game from Brooklyn, which could have kind of been like more of an under-the-radar setting, if you will, as much as that situation could be, to full, you know, to its arm, full, you know, uh, yeah. full throttle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah. So hey, you got. All right. You told me you got tickets to uh, the Golden Knights Islanders game there in December. Yes. Is that is that up in the in the new arena or is that in Brooklyn? That's in Brooklyn. That's in Brooklyn. Yeah. So you got to take the train on down. Primo. Huh? Yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's fine. That's in Brooklyn. All right. he, well, he just said, "Hey, you want to go?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "You know, uh-huh. I'll get to see the sure. Knights in person." And yeah. uh, uh, you know, hopefully the Islanders can hold up their end of the bargain that night. Yeah, I think it's the twelfth. It's December twelfth. So, uh, remember all right, all right. First game of first game of a four game trip for the Knights. I'm I'm looking at it right now. Um, uh, okay. Okay. Well, all right. I, I, so. We will uh, get back at it next week. Thanks to Russ for coming in. Um, you can check out his Sportsology page. A um, lot of good content on there. Russ does a great job, and we always appreciate having him on, having him on the show. Um, that's going to do it for this week. For Chris, I'm Mark. We're gone.